This week's episode is brought to you by Ad Trend Outdoor. They are the largest locally owned outdoor advertising company in Kansas City. If you're thinking about a way to promote your business, buy local. You'll speak to the same person throughout your campaign. In addition to billboards, they do banner printing and mobile billboard trailers, plus those cool inflatables you see on top of buildings. Their boards stretch all the way from St. Joseph to Harrisonville and Edgerton, and they're always looking for new locations. Billboard campaigns come in a variety of terms with options fitting all types of budgets. NSOs use them for our billboard and they're fantastic. If you'd like more information, call 816-283-0600 or visit them online at ad-trend.com. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Arts and KC podcast presented by the Northland Symphony. I'm your host, John Coster. I'm joined by Jim Murray. And we're back. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to you. They tried to cancel us. <laughs> they tried to lock us out and we made it back in. I really, I can't believe we've done so many. It is astonishing, it's, actually. It's <laughs> time keeps marching on and, and they're great. We're having yep. fun. How was your holiday? It was great. Um, went to St. Louis and saw family and friends and great food and presents and all that great stuff. How about you? Yep. Same. Um, we were here for the holidays and then afterwards went up to Omaha for family. Mm-hmm. Had a good time. Came back and ready to attack the new year. I'm not sure if I'm quite at that point yet, but I will be soon. Excellent. So today, as you heard, we're sponsored by Ad Trend Outdoor. Um, great new sponsor for the Northland Symphony. If you haven't seen our billboard... Go on, see it. I know. It's just south on of Berry Road. North North Oak. Oak, if you're driving north on North Oak, and it's phenomenal. Looks great. Super happy with them, yes. and uh, they've been a great sponsor for us this year. So, a uh, couple items. Uh, concert 3, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, well, uh, we're getting ready to start rehearsals for concert number 3. This is our concert at Pine Ridge Presbyterian Church. So, so it's at night. It's at night. It's Saturday and night. it's on a Saturday. So, yes, that's very important. And obviously... New the, time, new day, new location. <laughs> that's right. Um, but obviously, the church is smaller than us daily high school and so it's our chance to kind of do some different programming um to do smaller groups and variety of things and so i don't know this is what our third or fourth year i think there yeah jim jim doesn't like spending more time with percussionists than he has to (laughs) so he he tries to schedule at least one where there's just no percussion that's right it's all about the percussion as it always is but um this concert's great we're doing a piece that that oh gosh i did with the orchestra maybe my first couple years uh the block concerto grosso it's for strings and um Piano, and we'll talk more about that in the coming broadcast. But the other thing that makes this concert really great is our principal clarinetist, Cindy Savela, is retiring after close to, I think, 30 years in the orchestra. So she's going to be our featured soloist for the Mozart Clarinet Concerto, and it'll be a great uh, celebration and glad that we can honor her in that way, and and it'll be a great performance. Yep, so we're going to talk with Cindy in a future episode. We'll obviously do our concert cast in a future episode. Yep. Uh, just a quick, you know, save the date, February 17th, 7.30. Yeah, a little Pine earlier Ridge, than normal. But, right. Pine yeah. Ridge Pre- Presbyterian, um, um, and it's going to yeah. be great. So today... Right by Zona Rosa. That's right, yep. right next to Zona Rosa. Mm-hmm. Um, and Park Hill High School. Yep. Um, so today we're talking about something that I think... I mean, everybody knows, but I, I think it kind of flies under the radar a little bit is, and it, when it pertains to our particular genre, and that is uh, movie music. True, although I think, I, I mean, I, it's incredibly popular. You know, we do it every few years, and it's one of the most popular concerts we put on. Well, people like it. Yes. I think it's just the... the, the what goes on behind the scenes. Right, and what people think, how people think about it I would is, agree a, with is, that. A, is a little, I would is a little agree different. With that. So... Um, we'll uh, we'll jump to a quick break and then we'll come back and, and dive into all things movies.
All right, welcome back. And as promised, we're talking all things movies, and I think we should probably try to cage ourselves in a little bit. Yeah, that's a huge movie. Music is yeah, a huge movie music, right? Topic, and so and you know it's changed and progressed. So our for the scope of our conversation today, we're really talking about what I call film score, mm-hmm. which is like kind of the invisible orchestra of music that you hear that accompanies movies, and you know many of our fans. Uh, will be astute enough to realize that, you know, movies today, a lot of them just kind of cobble together music or they, you know, particularly if it's a period film like American Hustle that takes place like in the 70s, then the music supervisor picks all these great songs from the 70s. That's different than what we're talking about. Right. That's, that's... Talking about original music, written composed, yes, composers, yeah. absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so many <laughs> nooks and crannies <laughs> with this as far as when you talk about things like, well, what makes a good movie score? Well, right. first, a good movie <laughs> makes that a good movie true. score. That is true. Although I think, I think many of us, I think we can probably think of some films that have great scores where the movie's kind of bad. I think looking back, you can. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of movies that I would not like. Say, but like, you like better like, because I, I never, of the score. Like, and I might be in the, I'm sure I'm in the minority. Like, I never liked the Jurassic Park okay. franchise. Okay. I, I think I watched part of the first one, didn't like it, never seen any of the other ones. Right. Very much enjoy the, the music, music for Jurassic Park. Of course, Park. it's John Williams. Well, of <laughs> and so I think that so that's that's an example of that. But I do think there's you know music is you know is so emotionally driven that yeah. it's it's it gets a, movie music. I feel has an unfair advantage. Oh, well, sure, because it's connected music, to the visual. It's connected to the visual. Absolutely. And you know we've talked about ways you know kind of gateway drugs into yeah. <laughs> people listening to more classical music. And movie I think music would be movie great, music yeah. is a great you know. Right. And I mean, whenever we, when any, and whenever any organization does a concert, a film score, oh my gosh, huge! I mean, everybody, I mean, people who never go to the orchestra concerts will go to hear right. Star Wars, and you know, for all of John Williams' uh, uh, products, and he's composed so many things. Something about Star Wars is iconic. You know, my youth orchestra, kids who were born far after 1977, they request to do the music of Star Wars. And it's not the new stuff. And it's not one, two, and three. It is right, four, five, six, it's the yeah. iconic stuff that, that I grew up with. And I'm like, you know, there's something transcendent there, right? If, if you know, if students that were born in 2000, 2000, oh, I don't even want to start thinking about this. Um, <laughs> Jim's really old. He's getting depressed. <laughs> you know, ask me for that. That, that tells you something. Yeah. About the quality of that music, I agree. So I think I think what we're going to do with this conversation is just go down a bunch of rabbit holes, kind of. Jim and I, <laughs> and tend that's to have, different than our normal conversation. Jim and, I, Jim and I tend to have squirrel moments where yeah. we just decide to like, hey, let me ask this question. Let yeah. me ask that question. I think. Oh, look, a squirrel. Right. Exactly. So I think for 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 this conversation, I think that'll probably be the best. So here's my first question for okay. you that actually came to me while you were talking about that. Oh no. We've we've both seen all the new Star Wars. Correct. How would you compare the character themes of the new Star Wars oh, that's with tough. the character themes of the original? I, let's ignore one, two, and three. No, yeah, we don't even acknowledge this. That's yes. um, funny because this past Sunday um, was our alumni rehearsal, and we read uh, the music from The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So we actually had, like, Ray's theme. And so I was, you know, even though I experienced them in the film, this was the first time I experienced them in a, like, I was reproducing them, and right. I could see them in the score, and... That kind of thing. I don't know about how to answer this question because I'm a child of the 80s and those themes are so iconic to me that I would obviously favor, you know, Leia's theme, Vader's theme, Yoda's theme over um, the themes that are in the new series. Right. Um, Like if you ask me Ray's theme, 
even though I just conducted it on Sunday, I couldn't reproduce it for you here, but I could for any of them. But that, that's also just because they've been around for so much longer. Right. You know, you asked me, you know, you asked me that question in another 10 years when we're still doing this podcast. Um, and those themes may have risen to a level that four, five and six have. Anything coming out of one, two and three? I don't think no, so. Right. So, so. Um, I, I think they have the maybe the maybe the politic answer here is I think they have the potential to be at that iconic level. I just think maybe yeah. it still lasts a little bit longer. Well, what I was noticing, I just, just came, you know, I watched it a couple of days ago, the, the new one, and um, don't worry, there won't be any spoilers, <laughs> um, I don't think. I'll try. We'll blurt one out. <laughs> um, was What I was noticing, I felt like the, the theme, it was almost trying to live up to, the. Th- I don't feel like the themes were quite as Often in four, five, and six, like when you got you, you weren't constantly hit in the face. With yes, it. I agree. And so, whereas I think, and I don't know if it's just the composing, the composer style, or whoever right. the, the the sound, you know, whoever's right, right. making those decisions is just like yeah, that might, every time we yeah. see Ray, we have to be hit in the face with yeah. her theme. Like that that's it, a, the it frequency of theme is a good. And I didn't like noticing it. Right, like, and we should also make an aside, make a. Uh, uh, mention here that not all film score composers use themes. Right. Um, John Williams is a big proponent of them. Um, I always use the example of the one for Jaws as the most, you know, two notes. I mean, amazing, right? Um, I will agree with you that I don't think in four, five, six, like you're hit there as frequent. Um, there, and so I don't think you notice them quite as much. Yeah. Um, I will agree that I, they seem more um, frequent in seven, which is the force. Awakens and eight, which is the last Jedi. In case our numbering system is is <laughs> right, <laughs> if you're if you don't Sorry, refer we'll to sure the is correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, but here in, in our I'll counter that. So you know, one, two, and three, right. which we haven't talked about the themes. I will say though that you know where you have moment themes, yeah. right? Where you have battle mm-hmm. type scenes. Yes. That's the throne room lightsaber scene with Darth Maul and yeah, and like yeah. that's an iconic moment. But how much does the theme. action affect your opinion on the music? And well, it does, right, it does a lot. I guess yeah, that's what I'm circular, saying. So, like, right? that, and that, and that for, so that, so here's, I, I'm segueing to my next question, All right. which is, in your movie preference, yes, do you prefer movies that are more moment themed, based where you get a great moment set of music, not that's not tied to any character, but it's tied to a moment in the movie, or where you're, you know, kind of bouncing in between, you know, like Lord of the Rings is very kind of has a little bit of both, yeah, yeah, um, but as I would say, it's probably more. Um, character theme as opposed to yeah or location know. theme yeah. kind of I don't know if I have a pro- strong preference either way um, I haven't really thought about that before uh, I think the more you move away from character themes the less clear it becomes to the listener um, and I think part of that and this might be my segue to talk about like the interchangeability of a lot of film score music is what makes like what makes the char- character themes are so like unique to that character, right. right? Where when you have film score that is not so, if you have a film score composer who doesn't use themes for characters or locations or places, um, and you know, because of the time demands and production schedule and financial constraints and all the things that are in Hollywood right now today, there's got to be a certain amount of inter- interchangeability in what they're writing because they're going to have to make a lot of edits. And they're going to make a lot of changes over the course of post-production. And they're just not going to be given a week to figure out how to make that work. Um, so I think maybe because of that, I might lean a little bit more to character-driven um, themes. Mm-hmm. That's 
Fair. And I also think that, you know, again, it's hard to divorce. I mean, think about, I mean, John Williams has always been popular, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> I grew up with E.T. and Star Wars and, I mean, it, his like, you know, Indiana Joe. I mean, right. it's like his prime time was my formative <laughs> um, movie going high school, right. college, you know, experiences. Right. So they resonate with me fairly strongly. Yeah. Because no, I'm old. Yeah. I think I, te- <laughs> I think I tend to gravitate more to music matching the emotion or the, or the moment, moment than I do the character, only because there's only so many ways to slice a theme. Right. To, to convey an emotion, and if you're going to, you know, and so that's true. I mean, they they try, but they when do it's a done well, job. though, they that's do a pretty, pretty amazing. Good job, but but uh, it doesn't also speak to why maybe in four, five, and six, that is that's more constrained. Yeah, I would I would probably agree. like I would agree. Like, I, I don't yeah. really feel like they come across as character themes in four, five, and six the same way that yeah. they do in, in seven and eight, and I'm sure nine. <laughs> Um, and 10, 11, 12, 30, 40, right. <laughs> <Whatever> it stops. <laughs> right. I think at 4, 5, and 6, they came more across as... Organically. As, yeah, that yeah. were just, you know, here's a... And, and I mean, I'm, sure they like, were, I'm sure they were designed as themes. Yeah, like an introduction I, yeah. to the character, I totally understand. But, but like I don't, every time you get hit back in, you know, yeah. like... If, or maybe a character in a spot. Like yeah. the character at his home. You could kind right. of, you know, like the, the, the Tatooine planet to right. something and all well, that. Well, I always think they're most effective. And, and all this idea of just to... Not to... I mean, all this idea of using character themes comes from the world of opera. It's not new with right. um, movie music, but it's always so effective when the composer or the film uses it to represent a character who's not there, right? Who's either deceased or a memory or... I mean, that's yeah. the beautiful thing about having a theme connected with a character is that you can imply the presence of that character without making you see them on screen. Right. And then you, well, that's... And going then back you, to Jaws, that right. was the whole thing. So John, oh, yeah. when, John, when John Williams did Jaws, he yeah. only used that theme right. when... The shark was present in the vicinity, but you didn't see it. You never but saw. you knew it was there. But there was never. It was yeah. never though used in mm-hmm. a way that suggested that the shark might be there. Right. It was always no. The shark, shark is, is here. There. That's right. Um, yeah. So and I think that's really the effectiveness of it, because then it causes you as an audience member to go, "Is that person really dead? Is that person coming back? Is this person remember? Like, what does that mean if you right. don't see the? You know, well, in the case of Jaws, you get somebody's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's gonna get attacked. Right. No, I, 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 I tend to agree with with all that. So let's, as far as you know, how do, how do you see where do you actually? This is this is not a question I, I warned you I was going to ask, but I mean, as far as so we've, we I would say we're we're definitely out of the John Williams era, yeah, um, of of music, which is a Correct. sad thing for us all. But I mean, even when he's on a score or a, a film, right. he's not really doing yeah, his kind of yeah, work, yeah. you know. Because he's he's earned. He's he's, he's, he's earned, earned and he's, he's one of probably in his eighties. I think he's, he's old. Yeah. Um, and so you know, we're we're into more. We're under a bunch of new new yeah. people that do a lot of cool stuff. Where do you kind of see you know if if we go all the way back to silent movies, which had Wurlitzers, and then we get yeah. the big bands, right? I mean, then the 60s and silent 70s. movies were always had music. Right. It's the worst name. Ever it was either an organ, a little orchestra, something. Right, and sometimes it was it a was, piano player. Right, sometimes they didn't have a score. It was oh yeah, just, it was just, just yeah. do it. Yeah, right? or they hire the college kid. He practices his Mozart sonata while they're yeah. showing us on film. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, so move from that through right. like the big band stuff, through more orchestration, then we reverted right sixties and seventies back into yeah. more. Thank you, John Williams, for yep. bringing the full and orchestra then back, back to, to mm-hmm. John Williams. And then I would say that era has eclipsed this entire that entire. I don't know. Eighties, nineties, and today. I think but there I think are some people carrying. That mantle, I think um, Howard Shore, um, Danny Elfman, uh, Hans Zimmer, these are guys that use 
pretty substantial traditional orchestral yeah. frameworks for their scores with some extra percussion right. um, and whatever needs to happen. So um, I don't know if, if, you're, if you're question. I mean, but they've been in the game for a while as well. So I don't know like who the up and comer is right. in this. Well, I feel like the movie industry too is changing in a way that's going to dictate some of this. So you have either, it yeah. seems to be splitting pretty evenly into either $300 million <laughs> or indie, budget or indie. Or indie. Yeah. And yeah. I would think the indie films are going to be much more, maybe back to what it was in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, smaller. Small, yes, yes. But also technology has yeah. made it, you know, a, a conversation for another day um, is that, you know, now the um, electronic ability to recreate a full orchestra sound using things like Pro Tools and stuff, it just sounds so good. I yeah. mean, I even it pains me to admit that. Um, where that wasn't the case even 10 or 15 years ago where, you know, the sampling was so bad and you knew it was artificial. And now... You know, there's these guys who go on YouTube and they'll take a recording of like Beethoven 5, first movement with a live orchestra, and they'll splice in sections that have been done on Pro Tools, and then they'll post it and be like, okay, guys, where's the fake? Where? And number one, those people have too much time on their hands. <laughs> number two, I've never once tried to figure it out because I don't have that right. kind of time. But I mean, it's, it's, it's getting very hard to tell the difference between a real orchestra and a, a digitally created one. Right. Um, so let's write, do a little ranking here as, All right. as far as, and kind of as we're, as we're, I think, starting to, to wrap up. The, if you were to rank your favorite, least favorite, or pick out some of your favorite, least favorite, either scores by themselves, so stuff that right. could be played without the movie, or scores that, you know, just really in a movie just really, you either just noticed how good it was. Man, that's a tough question. Um, like scores that I could listen to without the movie, most of John Williams's catalog would do it. Um, See, I find it very hard to do that. So really, I, I, I don't. I like to play it. Yes, like, you know, yeah, yeah. they're fun to Obviously. play. But the theme, like, because of the way movies are, where you yeah. don't typically have a twenty-minute orchestral right, suite, right, yes. <laughs> or a twenty-minute scene that can <laughs> right, handle right. one type right. of music, yeah, you end true. up getting these like really yeah. small snippets. So even when they release them or arrange them for right. symphonic like Star Wars has done right. and Pirates right. of the Caribbean has done you're still left with about 45 seconds to a minute and a half of like the great theme that they play like right, right. 30 times in a movie sure, but sure. you play for a minute Yeah, and that always when I'm listening to it I always feel like I'm wanting more, more yeah. of, of that stuff I can understand that um, and then, the, then they pan into then they transition into all the you know Everyone who's listening knows my musical style is, is loud, and and so they a lot of those scores then have a have bunch a, of like slow. Well, they have to have a contrasting section underneath stuff that's underneath dialogue or sappy parts of the movie, and you're just sitting <laughs> and they're just sitting there going like, "This is 45 minutes of this hour long soundtrack is boring, and I want and you the skip 15 it, minutes." Yeah, 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 so it's like, yeah, um, no, I get that. Um, I think you know when I think of like iconic film scores. Um, I just think of the ones that I actually think of the ones that are like the most effective. So Elmer Bernstein's Magnificent Seven, right? You can play that for somebody who's never seen that movie and never heard that music. Play that piece of music and say, "Where are we?" And they'll go, "American West." Right. It is that. I mean, it is that amazingly effective. Um, Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho, right? That's the stabbing in the shower. Spoiler alert. Uh, yep. <laughs> Isn't isn't that's not those aren't that's a moment that's right. one of your moments. Have you ever watched that scene without the? Well, the, that, the, Hitchcock the, did not want to put the music in. His wife convinced him. Have, have you ever watched it without uh -huh. it? It's terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and, yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you why that came to my brain in a minute. But the 
like when you take out that move, like yeah, that's that. Well, that's <laughs> like what it is. Yeah. The, the the shot is the shooting is so bad because yeah. you know they're obviously not stabbing this person. Right, right, yeah. And and, and it's <laughs> what? Not, Wait, they're not. <laughs> and it's not late enough for the effects to be good. That's right. So it's that's this right. terrible exactly right. chocolate syrup. That's yeah. the blood. It's chocolate this, Hershey's. It's this terrible, yeah. terrible looking yeah. scene. But that the only music makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And another score. This is also, I believe, Elmer. I think it's also. Ooh, I don't know if it's Elmer Bernstein. It is. To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And that's a score that I never listened to without the movie, but it's one of those scores that's so subtle. Yeah. Like, there's maybe 20 minutes of music in that. In that. But know, when it's there, holy cow. You know, the one that's like that is Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. With being one that I wouldn't listen to, but man, when you just watch it, and the, the, the music just does a perfect way of just making everything feel... Hoosiers better. is another great score. Remember the Titans is another good one that I wouldn't probably listen to. But but I mean, like, when I think about Hoosiers, like, if you want to establish time and place immediately, oh my gosh. Well, think about that. They, uh, remember the Titans, they used, uh, Barack Obama used that score when he won the Democratic nomination in 2008. And they, like, blared it through the loudspeakers to, because it evoked the same. Right, yeah. You know. It's all about, that's right, that's exactly what it is. So, favorite film score to play, like, if you were to conduct one, no movie, Star Wars. Star Wars. Really Empire. It's Empire. Empire. Empire, yeah. yeah. Empire is the best one to play. It, 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 it is the best one to play, one. absolutely, yeah. 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 All right, Until we see what happens with the next... That's true. The next incarnate. I'm not holding my breath for that. But the the Force Awakens uh, suite that we read Sunday was actually better than... It was actually pretty good. Yeah. It was actually pretty enjoyable. So you'll probably be seeing it sometime <laughs> soon in the next year or so. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um... All right. Well, I think that's good. I think, yeah. you know, if you have, if you're listening and you feel like we skipped over, oh, I did forget something. Um, so uh, during the prep for this, I already told you about yeah. this. Too. During the prep for this, I oh, right, stumbled right. upon this amazing documentary. Uh, it's called Score. And it was, because it, we do actually prepare a little bit uh, for just, these. It's a smidge. Yeah. And it's like 90 minutes. I found it on iTunes. You can rent it for a buck. And it's and it's fantastic. They interview p- people like Zimmer, and they get old footage of Spielberg and um, Williams working on like ET. Yeah. And they talk to all. And you see how all these composers are like. Some of them are like stockpiling all these crazy looking instruments. Oh sure, and, and then, different sounds right, and, then, and, and, and turning them into digital, and then yeah. like using all these things, and they play some of the stuff on them that you recognize. Like it's just crazy stuff. Um, well, I think one thing that we didn't talk about, which this kind of you implied is you'll notice that um, when a, dr- a film director finds a score composer they really like they stay together so if it's a Tim Burton film that's going to be Danny Elfman right. if it's uh, Spielberg it's going to be John Williams if it's uh, James Cameron it's going to be Howard Shore I mean you don't right. even have to worry yeah I mean well, and they talked about that a little bit yeah. too where the, the composer they have these meetings after everything's been edited and yeah. cut when so you sit down and the composer literally has to be like a therapist to these the <laughs> yeah. directors and be like, what are you wanting to feel here? That's right. And that takes, that's a, that's a yep. hard process. It and is. So to your point, when they figure out and you understand a director. That's why they stay together. That's why they stay together. The director like doesn't great have to do podcast it. team. <laughs> that's right. I think James Cameron in the documentary actually said the, the spot, I think they call it spot meeting. Like the spot meeting is the thing that the director has to do that they keep putting off and putting off and putting off because yeah. they don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then actually in Titanic, that theme um, for during the sketch scene yeah, mm-hmm. um, wasn't written for that scene. What was it written for? It was just a. Like, it was just they, they, extra he, material. He had, he set, he, well, he said he said he was sending samples over while they were yeah. editing, and he wrote sketch on it, meaning I had just sketched this out. Oh, and he thought think. it was for and the sketch was, thing. So, so Cameron put it in there, and like, oh man. This works really well, and called him. Over. He's like, "No, no, no! I was just trying to." He's like, "No, come over here and look, watch this." 
He's like, okay, yeah, I'll find the best pace. Like, no, you play yeah. it. Like the way you played it was fine. fine. Like this is this it's is fine. perfect. So you get lots of that. Sometimes kind of stuff. the best stuff is accidental. That's right. You get lots of that stuff in this in this documentary. So if you if you if this has piqued your interest at all, and you want to go see Hollywood do a professional version of this discussion <laughs> for an hour and a half with pictures and, and video, actual composers that's right. and directors, that's right. Then I would highly recommend. Um, that you go that you go watch that but if not stick with us that's right and we'll be right back all right welcome back time for the beloved return of (laughs) casey yes of the casey pick segments um, first up, we'll do events, and I will go first. Um, I'm a little, I feel like on the fringe of our our avail or our uh, topic spectrum right. here, but I think comedy is an art form. It can be, and, can and be. I think in particular when Brian Regan does it, I don't know Brian particularly Regan. awesome. So, little bit of a personal connection, not to Brian Regan specifically, but his sister was actually my math teacher for two years in oh. high school. Okay, and that's how I stumbled upon. Was him. she funny as a math teacher? No, oh, okay. <laughs> polar opposites, <laughs> like amazing. I didn't believe it at first, um, and so that's how I discovered him back in high school. And he's so funny. And he's funny in the way that, like, you can watch it with your kids okay. and be yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, it's, it's adult yeah. humor, but, but it's it's, not, he, he doesn't yeah. spend the whole time cursing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can watch, like, he's got a Netflix special. It's fantastic. It's kind of silly humor, okay. but it's, um, he's just really, really good. He was, he's going to be in Kansas City uh, soon, actually, on J- January 13th, which is a Saturday, 8 p.m. at the Music Hall. There's wow. still some good at the tickets. Music Hall? Still some good tickets it's available. It's a big venue. He's, he's very popular. Apparently. Um, uh, he's done, I think, a couple different uh, Netflix yeah. specials and comedies. I mean, you know, he's, cool. he's been around. He's yeah. been around the block. Um, Understand, but he's a uh, he's a he's fantastic. So if you're looking for a fun night out that you don't have to, you know, get yeah. cursed at for an hour and a half <laughs> by somebody like you typically would if you went to like a Sanford yeah, and yeah, Sons yeah, yeah. or yeah, something, right, yeah. um, I can't I can't speak highly and I, at least in my stuff. But he's on Netflix, so go check him out right. if you like the stuff on Netflix. Yeah. You'll, you'll and that's great because humor is kind of subjective so you Very can check him so, out for uh, free uh, of charge on yeah, Netflix exactly. and then... Exactly. Or go yeah. on YouTube, I'm sure. Right, just yeah. Google Brian Regan. And, and, uh, How do you spell the last name? R-E-G-A-N. Right. Cool. So what about you? What you got? You have... You have Legos. Of course, because the focus of this episode is Jim's 80s growing up, right? (laughs) Pretty much. So um, I don't know about you, but I played with Legos all the time growing up. It was a staple of my childhood experience. Did you have Star Wars Legos? No, I was. I don't uh, think I did. It might have been. I don't know. Yeah, come over to my house. We'll, we'll oh, get some Star awesome. Wars Legos. Oh, that, there's a podcast right there. Us trying to put together stuff. That'll be a video podcast. That's right. That'll um, be a live stream. But um, so coming to Union Station, opening on January 26th, is called the Art of the Brick. Is that how and you're sliding this in because it says Art. Sure. Of the brick? Sure. Yeah. Um, through May 28th, and uh, I've seen similar exhibits like this in different cities in the past and it is actually an art form um, the guy the artist for this for this show he used to be a corporate lawyer and then I guess he realized playing with toys was a much better way <laughs> to go but there are going to be 10 galleries over 100 things including like the Mona Lisa Starry Night but what I thought was super cool was that he's going to design and build a Kansas City icon and Union Station is going to solicit votes on their Facebook page for whether it should be like Kaufman or right the World War One Museum, and, I, and he will just do it, yeah. you know, and I, I think that's pretty cool. So it's going to be here through May. Um, I don't know. I think tickets were like $10, $15. There's also like a giant T-Rex, too, there. Um, but, I mean, great for the kids. 
great yeah, fruit. I absolutely. Mean, yeah. I mean, you know, Union Station is great. So, yeah. So, so I yeah. think, I think, uh, I think that'll be a great event. I'm looking forward to seeing it. When is it? Uh, January 26th through May 28th. So it's probably they're probably taking votes now then aren't they I couldn't find it when I was researching this it may be after they open gotcha. it'll be it's going to be at some point maybe near the end of the exhibit I would imagine but they've got some pretty cool that Lego community if you want a rabbit hole oh man <laughs> go, on, go online yeah. and, and find those those people because yeah it wasn't like one of the big presents this year like the Millennium Falcon 800 piece or what or like yeah like $800 yeah $800 and I looked at it because I, 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 I and I saw the prices like like most no places way. sold out though yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they did a big like Apollo rocket yeah. thing that's really cool the master Builders are uh, yeah. Well, a lot, that's the that's the cool part about the community. You can go online and there's people yeah. that build their own. Like oh, yeah. they set up their own Lego yeah. like sets and then sell them online right. and you get instructions. That is a rabbit cool. hole. Holy cow! Yeah. So if that interests you, there you we'll go. We'll see you in a year. <laughs> come out of that that hole. So um, on the music. Jim, what you got? Okay, so I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I do actually work ahead. And so over break, I was um, just looking through some of the li- the library lists that I'm, I have access to for just maybe, you know, stuff I've overlooked or stuff I didn't know. And I stumbled upon a piece called um, Variations on a Theme by Tchaikovsky. And it's by a Russian composer named Anton Arensky, A-R-E-N-S-K-Y, 1861-1906. Um, I, I was familiar with his name because he's actually pretty popular with chamber music. He has like a great piano trio. But I didn't know that he studied with Rimsky Korsakov. He went on to teach Rachmaninoff and Scriabin. And, um, and this, this work I had never heard of. It was for string orchestra. Gorgeous. Gorgeous um, setting of this theme. It was really a tribute to Tchaikovsky. He really, um, he actually aligned much more to Tchaikovsky's kind of a style of writing than like the newer school stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes. It goes through several variations. And like most, I mean, variation is a very popular form anyway. But right. you have the lyrical, beautiful theme. You have kind of the cutesy variation. You have, I mean, it, it I was really pleasantly surprised by this piece. I don't know if I'm going to program it in the next year or two because it is string orchestra. And, right. and Well, um, you got a concert that you have any percussion <laughs> on, so go for it. Um, but it, it, it was gorgeous. And it caught me. I was very surprised by it. So right. I would encourage you to check it out. Well, let's, say, let's take a quick uh, listen to that right now. Field a little bit. Something completely <laughs> different. So, you know, I, I like to think of myself as someone who is uh, can listen to just about anything. Um, I think I struggle typically with the country and the heavy metal genres. I think and, you and I are alike like that. And it's not so much even because of the music, because there's you know, some popular yeah. country song that's catchy, and yeah. some of the metal stuff's fine. It's just usually it's the words that just kind of, or the screaming or whatever it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a, a friend of mine recommended um, Animals as Leaders. And That's this is, the name of the this group. Is the name of the Animals group. Animals as that's, Leaders. That's correct. And right. 
it's a, it's a he- it's under the heavy metal genre, so I was pretty skeptical. Um, but he's like, no, you listen to it. They're classically trained. They do a great job. And I listened to it, and I'm actually I was actually pretty impressed. And I've been listening a lot. Um, and they, there's no words, so if that the screaming bothers you in metal, <laughs> and I would say that it's not. Um, heavy in the sense that there's not like a bunch of reverb or like layers of just crap that like a lot of these bands just try to put sound through it's it's pretty pure of what they're you know there's an acoustic couple tracks on this so the cd i've been listening to is called uh the madness of many well uh uh, john played a snippet of it for me before we started and i identified immediately a sitar yeah but it's a manipulated sitar and it's a really unique sound, right? I mean, that's part of the appeal of this is probably their approach to sound. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's a really cool thing. To, I, I put it on, and I just kind of I can work, yeah. and because there's yep. no words, it's yep. really easy to work over and just kind of enjoy. And they yep. do a lot of like offbeat eleven eight type measures of uneven stuff. Um, the drummer is really really good, and they use a really tight snare, which. For it's just a personal preference of mine. <laughs> uh, the song that I'll, we'll sample here for you is called uh, Arithmophobia. Um, off, like I said, the Madness of Many album. All this stuff's on iTunes. In fact, there was somebody, and I'll, I'll try to remember to put a, a link to this. So, somebody turned two of their songs into orchestra ah, sampling. Interesting. And they're so good. Like, <laughs> I wanted to put that on here, but there's only two of them. And I was like, that's right. not good. So I'll, I'll, I'll sample the real thing. I'll try to remember to put a link on the thing where if you're interested in the orchestra part, because it is kick. Let's take a listen. Is arithmophobia the fear of mathematics? You know, I don't know. But if it is, then I got it. It even even appeals to you even more. That's right. Um, All right, finally, uh, our favorite part of the whole reason we do this is... I'm starting uh, to use this podcast as an excuse to go out to restaurants and try them. I would hope so. And I would hope everybody listening is doing that same thing. Uh, Mine is... We've worked through my my, uh, reserve. That's right. Um, Mine, I've, I've, I've talked about... Uh, Opera House before they're down in the city market, and this is actually catty corner to that, um, and it's uh, Brown and Low. So if you're if you can picture the big city market sign, mm-hmm. they're literally the on the corner at the T on the end of the market. <laughs> okay, yeah, like that's uh-huh. that's them right there. Brown and Low. That's right. Um, right. It's actually owned by the owner of Harry's Country Club. So if you're, f- I if love you're, Harry's Country I, Club. So you're gonna like this. So I would I would call this. More hipstery than Harry's Country okay. Club. Um, I don't know if I qualify. It's then. it's an old bank. Um, cool. An old ba- so it's a cool building. It's Can got, you eat in the vault? No, but that's oh. where the kitchen is. So they have, oh, they have cool. the vault oh, door. That's cool. yeah, yeah. Um, so they have all the or- old Art Deco stuff, yeah. craft cocktail, expensive, honestly. Craft, craft oh. cocktails, a nice Everything beer. expensive or just the craft no, cocktails? No, it's reasonable. Okay. I'd right. say, I, and I've only been there for lunch a couple times. Okay. 
Um, the, the turkey club's very good. Everything they make is, you know, I mean, they, they have like a fennel pollen aioli. So there's some pretentiousness in there. <laughs> like, but or some would say smugness. Right, smugness, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the... You know, it's 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 doesn't it's matter good. if it tastes it's good. good. It's good. I've had I've had a lot of good stuff there. Um, everyone, I've gone with a couple of friends of mine who were both kind of foodies, and they were both really impressed with it. So if you're looking for like a cool lunch place, or if you're into cocktails and looking for somewhere after work, then I would highly well, suggest very cool. uh, Brown and Low in the uh, city market. So. For me, I'm going with Il Centro. It's been around for about 20 years. Actually, I actually remember going there shortly after it opened. That's how long I've been in Kansas City. Um, <laughs> you're dating yourself again. I know, uh, but you know, it's. I think when when I went back when I went there when it first opened it was kind of like that best kept secret and now it really has established a rep- reputation and you know it's got I think it's what everybody wants in an Italian restaurant it's got the staples that are very well done I mean right. very high end um, quality there and then it also has some more creative dishes um, you know and it's it's um, locally owned and it's got great service and the staff truly has a passion for what they're doing. Um, I went there last night um, again, and uh, I was just—it just confirmed everything that I know. And I've been there several times over the years. Um, but if you have not been there, uh, I would uh, encourage you to check them out if you like Italian, true Italian uh, fare, um, and maybe some friends who want something a little bit different. Um, it's you know, it's not a big place, um, but service is outstanding. Food's great, and uh, I completely recommend it. 51st and Main, um, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. what I got. Awesome. Uh, well, that's it for us. We're done with episode 10. Man, here we go. Um, thank you to our sponsor, uh, Ad Trend Outdoor. Um, again, go check out our billboard. Uh, be sure to subscribe and rate to us. So if you're listening to, uh, to us on the website, we obviously very much appreciate yes. that. But it would be better for us and easier for you if you go to on one of these platforms like iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher and subscribe. That way you get notified. And when it lets new them ones know. come out. That's right. And that lets us know, uh, lets them know that people are listening and can help push us up in the search rankings. And then if you could rate us on one of these platforms, assuming you're going to give us five stars. <laughs> yes, please. Um, then that would also be fantastic. You don't even have to write a whole bunch. You just put five stars and write, great job. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the Northland Symphony, we've got several ways to do that on northlandsymphony.org. You can sign up for our email list. You can sign up for our mailing list. Check out upcoming events like Concert 3. Oh, yes, love to see you at Concert 3. And uh, next episode, we're talking about Super Bowl halftime shows. <laughs> so be sure to join us for that one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks.